chapter 3, if you'd be so kind. James chapter 3. Well, today I want to uh, talk with you about the meanest member in the church. The meanest member in the church. And uh, the reality is, is it's... uh, as I look around the room, I realize there's quite a, quite a few of them. <laughs> what if I just, st- what if something happened right now and I just had to stop preaching? Boy, wouldn't you go home curious? Today we're going to look and talk about our mouths. The Bible talks about, uses the word tongues, our tongues. Really what we're going to talk about is the power of words today from James chapter 3. And uh, you may want to take a pen and jot some of this in the margin of your Bible or inside a bulletin. I don't have a little insert today with all the weather and everything in the church office this week. I didn't want to try to worry them with one more thing. So I thought you could just kind of listen in. When we talk about the power of words, really what James has been doing for us is trying to point out to us and help us to understand what it means for us to grow in Christ, for us to be maturing, maturing, growing followers of Christ, really to kind of give you a, a bring up to speed. In chapter one, really big lesson there is as mature Christians, as people are walking with the Lord, we need to be patient in times of trouble. We can have patience in trouble. In chapter two, really, uh, we're encouraged to practice the truth. And now we're told to have power over our tongues. We're told to really the importance of uh, of, of knowing how to hold your tongue, of knowing how to use your tongue in a wise way, in, in essence, how to manage your mouth, all right? And it's important for us to understand that really we live in a world of words, don't we? I mean, there are talk shows everywhere. Everybody seems to have something to say in this world in which we live. On average, you will have, listen to this, 30 conversations a day. You will spend one-fifth of your life running your mouth. It is important to know how to manage it. One year of your conversations will fill 66 books that would be 800 pages a book. You didn't know you talked that much, did you? If you're a man, listen, you speak an average of 20,000 words. If you're a woman, you speak an average of 30,000 word, uh, 30, words a day, sometimes with gusts up to 60,000. <laughs> I'm just playing. My wife's in Christiansburg, so I can get by with saying that today. Speaking of my wife, my wife majored in speech therapy in college in her undergraduate degree. She studied what they call communication disorders. And the reality is this, is in the church, in the Lord, church of the Lord Jesus Christ, in our families, in our lives, oftentimes we are plagued with what I'll call communication disorders. And really James acknowledges that. Let me just kind of give you an overview. James chapter one, verse 19, if your eyes can fall on that. Uh, that Bible verse says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. As if there's kind of, you know, just a good little formula right there for us. Look down at verse 26 of James 1. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. 
Of course, we're going to look at James chapter 3, but if you look over at James chapter 4, verse 11, the Bible simply says here, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but you're a judge. Don't speak evil of one another. And then chapter 3. Let's look at chapter 3, really 12 verses here, verse 1 and following. Here's what God's word says. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Isn't it true that it is so easy to say the wrong thing? Have you ever found that? I mean, that's why we have sayings like, oh, yeah, man, I put my foot in my mouth. It is just so easy to stumble over our words, isn't it? And to say the wrong thing. James gets that, church. Then he picks up on this illustration here and some illustrations. And really, I count six illustrations in James chapter 3, the first 12 verses that we'll highlight today. Look at verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses... So that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Who, who knew a part of your body so small could sometimes get you into so much trouble? How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, verse six. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. That right there ought to cause us pause to just think, We need to seek the Lord in managing our mouth. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Verse nine, with it, we bless our Lord and Father and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Isn't that true? That we can be here singing praises to God and then in the very next breath, we can be cursing a fellow believer even. Then verse 11, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And of course, the crux of the matter is this. You see, it isn't just that we have a speech problem. I want you to keep in mind that it's much deeper than that. In the, when it's all said and done, we don't need a speech specialist. We need a heart doctor. We need a heart doctor. But praise God, that's who we have in Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that today you're interested in something as practical as the words that will come out of my mouth. So Lord, I simply want to pray a prayer that I've prayed here several times before. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, you're my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to give you a picture, an illustration to remember 
how important this conversation is that we're going to have today. And I want to ask Andy if you'll come up on stage and help me and Judy. Yes, they're not prepared for this at all. Yes, I mean that Andy. Yes, you, you um, come on up if you would. And uh, they're going to help me with a little activity here. And I want you to watch in on this because um, this is going to, why don't you come stand on this side? We'll do this like in game show style here, all right? Now, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give each of them, each of them a, a tube of toothpaste um, and a toothbrush. And I want you to watch what happens. There you go. Ladies first. There you go, Andy. Now, now you're not going to brush your teeth really, all right? Even though that would be a good illustration too. What I want you to do, first of all, and you probably don't probably have to have toothpaste, uh, the toothbrush yet. That's just in case you do need it. I want you to take the top off the tube of toothpaste, if you'd be so kind. Now what I want you to do is I just want you to, to, to squirt the toothpaste out. Just, just get that toothpaste out onto that plate, all right? Now, by the way, I know some of you think this is incredibly wasteful. Um, and you're saying, man, I can't believe he's wasting all that good toothpaste. Well, I'm really not wasting it. It's really going to make the point here. For one thing, it is really interesting to see how different people get toothpaste out of a tube of toothpaste. If you watch real closely here, you know, okay, they're, they're, they're doing a good job of it. All right, they're getting it out of there. And by the way, if you really are pressed for toothpaste at home, you're welcome to help yourself to this after the service. Um, because I do want to share and share a lot. Okay, now you, there you go. Now, now they've gotten the toothpaste out of the tube of toothpaste. Everybody can see that? Everybody, let's give them a nice round of applause here. All right, y'all see that? Wonderful. They've done that. Now, here is the next task. What I would like to ask you to do is this. I want to ask you to get the toothpaste back in the tube. <laughs> Just give it a shot. Just give it a shot. Let's see how well this works. Hey, now, I tell you what. <laughs> That's pretty good. Are you going to put it in your mouth and like no. squirt it in there? Or? Hey, you know I could that might work actually, but she is a sport. She's a sport. Wow. This is, this is getting disgusting. This, I apologize. We just had a deacon's meeting and they may call one after this. I, this may be about the most disgusting thing I've ever seen at this church. Oh, no, just kidding. No, she, she's thing I've ever seen. <laughs> She's a good sport. Andy, you did okay. <laughs> no, hey, there's a point here, isn't there? It's a lot easier to get the toothpaste out of the tube than back in the tube, isn't it? I want you to remember something, church. That's exactly how your words are. They're a lot easier to get out of your mouth than to get back in your mouth. It's pretty much impossible to take back what you say. So today, there is one big point to this sermon. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. So let's talk about this. Thank you all so much. Can you all just thank them for their assistance? Now listen, words are powerful. So I want to point out to you how, how powerful they are. Number one, here it is. Words have the power to guide. Words have the power to guide. It says here in James chapter 3, that not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. You see, right there, we have to remember, and this ought to cause a, a preacher, a teacher, and really all of us are teachers. All of you have influence. You may just teach one person, but you have influence. And it's the idea, listen, the words that come out of our mouths, the things we say, they influence other people. They impact other people. 
If I happen to use the Lord's name in vain, guess what? I've just taught my children a lesson. My words guide where I go in life. My words have a lot to do with the person that I've become. The words that I have heard, my parents, my grandparents, the words that I've heard preachers say and school teachers say, listen, words have the power to guide. They are incredibly important. First Timothy chapter six, verse 20 and 21 says, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Throughout the Bible, we are shown the power of words and how words guide. Not just teachers, but everyone is involved here. Look at verse two. For we all stumble in many ways. And listen, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. He's a perfect person, a mature person, a, 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 where we want to go. But here's the deal. We all stumble. That's why our words are so critically important because, listen, every single one of us have the power to guide others. Our words have the power to guide. We're given two illustrations in regards to this point. It says here in the Bible that um, in verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. It's the idea, maybe you've seen the imagery of that bit that's placed in a horse's mouth. And how, and how the horse rider simply can pull to the left or to the right. And that controls, in, in essence, the movement, the direction, the steering of this mighty beast. A stallion, let's say two to 3,000 pounds, can be guided by a 95-pound jockey. That small, that small piece of metal makes a big difference. The tongue, the tongue, the words we say, the speech that comes out of our mouth has the power to guide. Out of control speech, listen, is like a horse running wild. Basic instinct unleashed. There's another illustration given here. It's the illustration of a ship. I grew up in the shipbuilding city here in our state of Newport News and grew up looking at big ships. I've been on some big ships. Some of you, maybe you've been on a cruise before. It's amazing to see what ships can do. And verse four says, look at the ships. They had big ships back in Bible times too, mind you, all right? Look at the ships also, though they are so large and, and are driven by strong winds, listen, they are guided, literally steered would be the word there, by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. For instance, the Queen Mary, just recreation space alone, three acres, three acres on that ship of recreation space. The anchor weighs 10 Cars, yet a relatively small rudder directs that huge cruise ship. Listen, these illustrations, these two illustrations, highlight the essence of how small things have a big impact and influence. And the point is this so our speech, though it may seem small, our words may seem small, but they have a huge impact on where we go in life and a huge influence on those around us. Listen, if you don't like where you're going in life, you might want to check out the words coming out of your mouth. Words are powerful. Matthew Henry comments, we should learn to make the doom management of our tongues more our study because though they are little members, they are capable of doing a great deal of good or a great deal of hurt. 
Proverbs 13, three, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Guide, words have the power to guide. It's like a steering wheel. You know, I don't know about you, but if I'm driving my vehicle, I'm driving my, my, my vehicle, I, I understand how important the steering wheel is. If you were riding along with me, I would not want you, or nor would you want me if I were riding along with you, to start grabbing the steering wheel, would you? Start tugging on it, start playing around with the steering wheel. Well, that looks neat, that looks neat, what does this do? No, you wouldn't want that, you wouldn't tolerate that, because you know how dangerous that would be. Well, understand this, our words are like a steering wheel in our lives. My speech, my words have the power to guide. Secondly, I want you to see they're not just the power to guide, but they have the power to destroy his illustration, he gets much stronger here now in verse five. He says, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest fire, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Strong words. The image here of a forest fire set on fire, a forest set on fire because of a campfire gone wild. And was it Smokey the Bear? Remember all those commercials that used to be on, you know, about how just one match, how one campfire can destroy an entire forest? You, you know what I'm talking about here, how destructive fire can be. Now understand this, you know, words, words like fire can be used in a constructive means. I mean, fire can warm us, our words can warm us. But fire can burn and words can burn. They have the power to destroy. I think about how, for instance, in Australia, one fire overnight destroyed 600 miles of land, villages, and livestock, all from a single match. Fire all starts with one spark. James says that the tongue... Your speech, your words can destroy like that. You can lose it all. A careless camper can destroy an entire national forest overnight. Careless words can destroy what we have. Our words are powerful. I think about how in American history, back October 8th, 1871, 8.30 p.m. supposedly, in O'Leary's barn, a fire was started and consumed Chicago, leaving over 100,000 people homeless, almost 18,000 buildings destroyed, 300 people dead. Fire can destroy. And the warning here is your words can destroy if you're not careful. Words have the power to destroy. Gossip is like fire. It spreads quickly and it wreaks havoc. I wonder how many people because of a careless word have done damage and brought destruction into families and marriages and relationships or their career or their reputation or the reputation of another or their church or friendship. Words have the power to guide. Words have the power to destroy. I want us to understand here this morning, what we say, and James is pointing this out, what you say is extremely important. Proverbs 16, 27, a worthless man plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. Proverbs 26, 21, as charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Loved ones, we have to beware of having a hot head which leads to a hot heart which leads to burning lips. 
I think about Psalm 39. Psalm 39 warns us to be careful about getting that hot head because of what it leads to. Words that burn. We're given another illustration. The illustration of a wild animal. It says in verse 7, the Bible says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed as has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. You kind of have two illustrations in one here. The idea of like a wild animal, like a lion coming to devour, and then he, then he kind of combines the idea of a poisonous snake, a venomous snake. James is giving a warning about our words. He's saying, listen, words can destroy. Our words have an impact. The words we say matter. For every word in Adolf Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, 125 lives were lost in World War II. Words are powerful. They have the power to destroy Words have started wars. Words have crippled nations, destroyed families, killed marriages, damaged children, and ruined lives. That's why Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Listen, my words have the power to guide, and that can be for good or for evil. My words have the power to destroy And I want you to see this, this last thought. Words, you see, they really have the power to either bless or curse. Bless or curse. My words can bless or they can curse. It's what he says in verse nine. It's as if there's this contradiction. There's this hypocrisy at times in my words is the warning here. Verse nine, with it, we bless our Lord and Father and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. By the way, he uses brothers a lot, brethren a lot. He's pointing out here, hey, we're supposed to be family. We're supposed to be the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, today, and this just happened to be the sermon uh, in in the book of James that came next. Today, we're shared in communion, the Lord's Supper with one another. James is saying, listen, we're supposed to be the body of Christ. We're supposed to be... One team, we're supposed to be the family here. Yet, you'll bless God, but then you curse his people. He says, he says, it just doesn't make sense. You see, understand this, words have the power to bless or curse. There's this imagery here used now, two more illustrations. One is of the fountain. He says, he says, in, he says here in verse 10, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Verse 11, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water. I think about people who might've read these words for the first time. Water, having a good well was critically important for them. We need water, we need water and we want refreshment. Our words can be refreshment, but you know, You know what can be horrible is if water is tainted, if water is poisoned. You've probably heard stories of people being being lost at sea and all they have around them are millions of gallons of salt water. 
and how the body can grow so crazed of thirst that it will drink the salt water, which only leads to greater dehydration and to a quicker death. Our words are meant to be refreshment for those around us. Proverbs 18, four, the words of a man's mouth are as deep waters and the wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook. Proverbs 10, 11, the mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. You know, water can refresh, water can destroy, water can bless, it can curse. You can go downtown to Richmond, down towards Chaco Bottom and they there have uh, marked on certain walls uh, marking and, and remembering different floods that have struck our capital city. That same river that I have rafted down and enjoyed, that river that folks have used for recreation, for fun, that river that some people get their drinking water from, understand this, that river can also kill. I live near the Swift Creek Reservoir and I think about how that, river, that, that reservoir that I've been out on and enjoyed so often is also a reservoir that has claimed lives. Loved ones, understand this. They have the power to bless or curse. Then you get this last illustration. He says in verse 12, and he gets to the heart of the matter here, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. He really does give that warning here that the problem really isn't the tongue, the problem's the heart. It really isn't the tongue, it's the heart. It's really not the mouth, it's the soul. And so what is our response? You know, Jesus says in Matthew 15, 18, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. So understand, words are powerful. You get that, right? They have the power to guide, they have the power to destroy, they have the power to bless or curse. So what do we do about it? Well, here you go. Here's, a, here's some prescription for us today. Number one, get a new heart. Get a new heart. Ezekiel 18, 31, rid yourself of all the offenses you've committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Listen, painting the outside of the pump doesn't make any difference if there's poison in the well, amen? We need a new well. Jesus offers us that. Now you say, well, I, I, I'm a follower of Christ. I've yielded my life to Christ. If you haven't, that's what you need to do today. You need to place your faith and trust in Christ. Come to him in repentance and say, Lord Jesus, please give me a new heart. You are a follower of Christ. Well, maybe your heart's gotten a little out of shape. I think like David, you can pray as he prayed in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart. You don't need a new heart. You just need your heart to be cleaned. So get a new heart. Number two, ask God for help every day. James says, listen. In verse two, he says, listen, we all stumble. We all stumble. Ask God for help every single day. The Bible here tells us in James 3 that we cannot tame our own tongue. We need God's help. Say, I need God's help. (laughs) That's all right. It's okay to admit it. I need God's help. Ask God for help every day. That's why, you know, for instance, taking time in God's word, getting God's word in us helps. Hearing God's word helps. We need to ask God for help every day. And then thirdly, think before you speak. 
Think before you speak. James in chapter 1 verse 19 told, told us everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Get a new heart. Ask God for help every day and think before you speak. Now I also want to give you what have been called 12 words that can transform your life. Here's some, here's some words we'll give you that can transform your life and your relationships. Help you think before you speak. Please and thank you. Please and thank you go a long way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And you got to mean it when you say it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love you. I love you. Served a number of years on church staff. I was this young man's youth pastor. He's now pastoring his own church. He was always so, it seemed so ushy gushy. I mean, he would always, I love you, brother. I love you, man. Now he lives three plus hours away. And it's so good when he talks to me on the phone just to hear him say, hey, I love you, man. Man, it's okay to love each other, all right? As long as you're not weird about it. <laughs> I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Please and thank you. I'm sorry. I love you. I'm praying for you. And listen, when we say it, let's mean it. Praying for you. Let's mean it. Loved ones, today's sermon, I hope it'll make sense to you. I hope it's made sense to you. Words are powerful. Because you see, really what we need, we need the Lord Jesus Christ to take control of our lives. You know, perhaps every single one of us today, we're gonna think to brush our teeth. We were taught this as little kids. Brush your teeth. I don't want you to go out of here without having clean teeth and a fresh mouth. Loved ones, you know what? Maybe, maybe later when you pick up your toothbrush and you go to clean your physical mouth, God will just remind each of us that he cares about our speech as much as we care about our breath. You know, something about, something about like some of these illustrations, you know, this, this illustration of the horse being controlled by the bit, you know, you know, not, not every 95 pound person could handle that horse. I said a 95 pound jockey can handle the horse. My son is 115 pounds. He, 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 he wouldn't know what to do. That ship that has that rudder and that small rudder controls that ship. You or I, we might not know how to steer a cruise ship or a battleship or aircraft carrier, but that captain in the Navy, even that 19 year old who's been trained by the Navy at the controls could control it because they know what they're doing. I think about how when a cruise ship comes back into the harbor of Hampton Roads. If you watch closely, there's gonna be a little boat that pulls up beside it. And on that boat, that little boat, it'll say pilot. Because our authorities have said, I know you're the captain. I know you think you're in charge, but when you come into this harbor, our guy's gonna be in charge. What I'm saying is this, what it really comes down to is this, who's, who's really in charge of your life? You need someone who knows what he's doing. The Lord Jesus Christ never ever said a wrong thing. He never sinned. He never did. 
don't you think we each once again should say, Lord Jesus, be the Lord of my words. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never yielded your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll be down front, Pastor Andy will be down front. You just come forward and say, I, I need to trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. We would love to talk with you about that. Maybe you just right from where you stand and sing these songs need to make sure before you sing any more praise to God that you confess whatever evil might be in your heart or soul or whatever words you might have said wrong. Maybe you need to go to someone after this service and just say, listen, brother, it ain't about, it ain't about you. It's about me. Forgive me, please, brother. I, I, I need to honor God and you with my words. Maybe you just want to come and kneel here at the altar and and dedicate yourself afresh as a member of this church to letting Jesus be the pilot of your words. Lord Jesus, move among us, I pray. Something is, every day as my words matter to you. Oh, Lord Jesus, be the God of what I say. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and let's sing this song of praise.